Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the penthouse of a partially completed commercial high-rise in glamorous Hollywood adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of one of LA's leading cement factories, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, one of my personal favorite contemporary music artists. She has enjoyed a very unique musical career straight up through the recent launch of the Pretty Wavy record label. Hello and welcome, Kitty. Hi. Hi. I have never had a one-name guest before. Really? It's throwing me. Yeah. You've never had Seal on the show or anything? No, I've been working on Charo for a while now. Oh. I'm not sure she's still among the living. <laughs> Do you know who Charo is? Yeah, of course I know. I watched The Surreal Life. <laughs> oh, she had a second run, huh? Yeah, it okay. was awesome. So yeah, I'm really excited to meet you. It's um, it's a like I, I don't listen to a lot of contemporary artists, people who are still making music. That really? I, I listen to, a, I, I get to interview a lot of people who whose music I like who are still making music, but I have to tell them that the current stuff is good. <laughs> You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I also don't listen to a lot of people who still make music. So I, I've noticed that about you. You um you're like a throwback kind of person, huh? I think it's because I started working in music and so when new things come out, I like know too much about how it was made and stuff, you know? No, not exactly. I think no. I kinda know what you mean. What do you mean by that? I don't know. It's like being part of music industry made me see music industry stuff everywhere and so it's work yeah listening and to so music. it reminds me of work and so i have to be like oh well this was this is from 1970 they didn't have all that back then so even though you know they <laughs> they totally did they totally absolutely positively. i didn't think about it then <laughs> yeah you know i've heard matthew broderick say that that he exclusively watches you know the actor matthew broderick he watches old movies because he says he can't feel bad about missing out on the roles Yeah. That's def. That's such a real feeling, right? That's so real to me. Wow. I think I've seen a quote or two from you where you're talking about you are an organic music success story, about as organic as it could possibly get. But I, I think I've seen, <laughs> I've heard you imply that there are other people who are fobbed off as organic successes. Don't worry about the money. Sorry, I'm just gonna I'm gonna punch a thing throughout okay. the interview cool. as well. Make yourself at home. <laughs> people who everyone in the world thinks happened organically mm-hmm. but that you sort of know the true story that there were a lot of <laughs> i refuse to talk about any of them on the radio no i don't care i don't <laughs> okay. i could i could give a fuck about the names oh no yeah no that's that's definitely happened but like how does that work i mean i've honestly i think i have kind of a skewed version of every like all of my opinions are not unbiased like i Those i don't are. i mean yeah i guess yeah i guess that's true how but I feel like my perspective is very different from most people, so I don't really know if I'm correct about these things, but to me, it's just seemed like I've been around for so many things and been almost offered a lot of opportunities, and then I didn't hang out with the right person enough, and I didn't, you know, like, try hard enough to get somebody to be my friend or say the right thing or, you know, put up with stuff that was uncomfortable just to get it. Mm-hmm. And I know other people that are okay with 
like, you know, being made to feel bad about themselves or, you know, put up with a lot of stuff that sucks just to get what they want. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. The way that people tell their stories makes it seem like they were just, they worked so hard and they got what they wanted. And I'm like, yo, I kind of know that. Right. That's not what happened. But you weren't but... you weren't busking outside of yeah. a record yeah. label. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Well, I um, knew uh, a woman who was a musician, singer, songwriter. Who uh, I knew her well enough to believe that she was telling me the truth when she once told me that her management was offered a number of dates with a guy who'd had like high profile red carpet dates with a guy who had a couple hits oh at the time God. in exchange in exchange for money. So I would oh. have to assume that if a month later. Some other aspiring singer-songwriter lady was on a red carpet with this guy. I'm gonna guess that's those yeah, two might not be a exactly. real thing. That that's seems the like kind a of fair. Thing I mean. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't like to give examples of stuff because no, I, don't, I don't want anything to. So- I don't like to sound ungrateful or mm-hmm. like, you know, like I'm just trapped in this terrible world. But like, it does stuff like that happens. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a pretty slimy business. Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't need to sit here and slander people. I want to talk about your career from the beginning to, you know, to the current day. You're from Florida? Yep. What's that all about? So I grew up in New Jersey, (laughs) and in my opinion, because a lot of people from New Jersey go there for vacations, retire Mm -hmm. down there. That's kind of a classic thing to do. So I just always thought of it as uh, New Jersey with even more humidity. But I think it's there's more of like a New Jersey meets the Deep South thing going on there than I was aware of. Um, it depends on where you are, because if, if you're like South Florida, like the, the Southern half of Florida is pretty much, yeah, it's like New Jersey vibes of, it's also, those are like the two states that everybody talks the most shit about. Yeah. That's like, you know, yeah, the, New butt, Jersey the man, butt of all the jokes. New Jersey man isn't quite as much of a thing. <laughs> no, it's not as ubiquitous, but I think it just doesn't have the right flow. Florida man sounds really good. It really rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Right. But I think they literally did move the Jersey Shore down. It is now just, they're yeah. just doing it in Florida. Well. Yeah. I Shoe mean, fits. It's warmer. Yeah. yeah. Right. But the Sopranos was all in New Jersey. I grew up in Sopranos country. <gasps> really? I grew up five minutes away from Bada Bing. Wow. It's actually called Satin Dolls. Behind the scenes fact. Never That's been a there. cool one. I've never even seen the Sopranos. You've never been there? No, I've never even watched the Sopranos. I lived it, man. You, didn't, you don't have to see it. <laughs> I lived that shit. I was raised in a crime family. <laughs> Spent my entire life trying to get away from it on the radio. So you are a teenager down there in Florida. You like Florida? I love Florida. Okay, cool. And you are like doing some like microblogging and you're posting some music. Yes. Right? How did happened. you start making music, like literally beats and stuff? How did you know how to do that? Well, when I started making music, I had no idea how to make beats, no. and I actually didn't even know how beats were made at all. I didn't. I just was like, somehow people are making beats. I guess they use a computer, but what matters is I'm hearing them. And I figured out GarageBand, mm-hmm. and before I figured out how music was made, I figured out how to record vocals. And then I was like, oh, it'd be so funny if I recorded a rap song, because I was really into poetry, so I like to write poetry. And I really liked hip hop, so I like to write raps and never did anything with them. So I started just finding, I would find like a Mad Lib beat or something that I already liked and I would just record my own rap over it. Sure. And then I'd post them on my Tumblr because I had a an issue with oversharing as a teen. Many do. <laughs> yeah. I think it's getting worse now. I feel bad for them. Really? I mean, 
my little sister be telling everybody everything on the <laughs> internet. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so oh, see, I was wondering about that though. Cause like you do this and you leave a digital footprint, right? Like I did many, 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 many ridiculous things when I was a teenager, but we didn't all have easy access to video cameras and oh yeah, you're so lucky you know the the demo tapes that i made were on cassettes and if i don't choose to share them they're not going i can't easily youtube them like like i can youtube music that you made when you were a teenager so i can see where that would be embarrassing in a certain way i don't <laughs> yeah. want that stuff out but on the other hand if every teen is oversharing, then can anybody really be the ridiculous one yeah since they, everybody's got dirt on everybody that's honestly, I feel like it's already that way. Yeah, right. I think we already had to like accept it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um at the time it wasn't as common to be, you know, honest because I think everybody that's when everyone still thought that they could like put on a vibe a very um better than they actually were. You know, like you could pretend your life was way better and you could pretend that you were much more like smart or worldly online and people wouldn't be able to like tell the difference but now it's hard to have like that facade because everybody is constantly yeah everybody can tell when you post pictures from five different vacations that yeah the same fences in the back in every single photo (laughs) exactly so um but when i was doing it people were just like wow she's so open and honest yeah so that's i think what made people follow me on my blog Mm -hmm. and then i made my music and sort of wrote the same kind of lyrics that were also very over Sherry. Yeah. And they, the people that read my blog liked those, so that's kind of how it started. So the song OK Cupid, like, popped for you. Literally, how did it happen? Like, how did it get off of blogging, get out into the larger world? Um. So I, some, I, like I said, I liked hip-hop. So I was on Tumblr, and I would, um, I was friends with a lot of hip-hop bloggers who were just, we, we just posted about that and talked about it. And um, one of them was ASAP Yams, was my friend who's, he has passed, but he was kind of like the guy who started ASAP Rocky mm-hmm. and got his like whole shit popping off. So, but this was all before that. And I mean, ASAP Rocky was like around and Space Ghost Perp and, and Danny Brown and stuff. Like, we're all just kind of people in this community. And, um, I really like this producer, Beautiful Lou, who he was making songs with Lil B, who was also very prominent internet rapper sure. at the time. Right. And still now, I very, guess. Very prolific. Oh, yes. Oh, my. Yeah. Never met a, <laughs> never met a song you didn't like. Yeah. Um. So I really like this guy, Beautiful Lou, and I just kind of met him through blogging, just like a friend of a friend thing. And he was like, yeah, I'll send you beats. And he sent me the OK Cuba beat and also the Orion's Belt beat. No kidding. just the same email. And was like, you want to use these? And I was like, yeah. So I recorded the song. And it, I remember it was like, <laughs> I used to work at Claire's at the mall. That's like the, uh, like barrettes and stuff. Yeah, right? like earring piercing and, you know. Hell yeah. And uh, and so I like went home to my mom's house and I was also in college. And I just had like some rare nights to myself, but I would just like stay up all night and record stupid rap songs and um and i recorded okay cupid in my closet and that's why at the beginning of it i'm like get out of my room because my brother was in there oh that's a real thing yeah my brother like walked into my room when i was doing that and i was embarrassed i was like oh wow And, and yeah wow it's really funny that people don't know that's a real thing no i assumed that yeah like i don't know like when guys in the beginning of like songs like are pouring out drinks and 
cocking guns and stuff. I assume that they weren't actually oh getting my drunk. Oh, God. In, like, that was my producer tag or something. Yeah, that's honestly what I assumed. I'm glad. Oh, I should make it that. Oh, my God. Yeah, you got to start every song with that. Oh my God. Still works. It's still totally. Um, actually, can I play a little bit of the song just for people who don't know what we're, sure. what we're talking about? Uh, let me see. I think it's this one here. Get out of my room. There you go. Sorry. Sorry if I confused you. Once upon a time, I spied on you uh, light just going to play a second. And I stand over there and listen to your little lies about your cool Okay, life. right, right, right. I know. It's, it's embarrassing, right? Okay. So you do that, <laughs> and then you go to work at Claire's, and you're slinging barrettes. Yeah, and then, and I also, I couldn't look at my phone at Claire's, so, and I was a manager. I was an assistant manager. So I'd have to work for like eight hours and I wouldn't know what was going on with my phone. That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, uh, and then one day I was on my break and mm-hmm. I looked at my phone and it was like, your song has like a bazillion notes on Tumblr. And I was like, oh my God, what? And then I had emails from people like, I'm from The Fader and I heard about your song on Tumblr. And I was like, Interesting. That's cool. And then I just kind of, they asked, I didn't understand at all. I mean, I didn't really ever think it would, I thought it was going to be like a grumpy cat thing where everyone was going to like talk about me for a day and then I would just like go back to normal. More of a novelty thing than actually like a piece of music. Yeah. Like I was like, this is just so hilarious. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was funny. So I was like, sure, write about me. And, And someone from Vice wanted to interview me. And I think it sort of was that type of like novelty this is silly what is this like dumb thing at first because mm-hmm. um the people that would call and interview me they like i think they expected me to be like a comedian or like i was playing like like i was playing a character or oh, something. for real yeah okay and they would just ask me like very condescending questions and i was like i don't i'm just normal and then that became the thing that everyone would write about me is like, this girl is just normal. The girl next door. She's yeah, got a this, like, this cute little girl. Like, but she's she trying to rap. Yeah. And I mean, people would play that in different ways. Some uh-huh. people would use that as a mean thing. But I think the reason that people were like, oh, she is just normal. She is the girl next door. So I just kind of kept making music and people kept listening to it. Because <laughs> I, I, I was exposed to the song, I, I don't remember if it was Pitchfork or Rolling Stone. So yeah, they both wrote about it. <laughs> that's a pretty crazy thing. It went beyond it just like, here's the, here's the football we're kicking around today it on was, the internet. It was, a, it was a year-end list of here, because I'm completely out of touch with everything. I <laughs> yeah. listen to like, I listen to like Mott the Hoople. So I'm like, once a year, I'm like, what? what? <laughs> You're not missing much. It's from the 1970s. They were David Bowie's friends. Oh. Yeah, and so actually you kind of are missing something. You check out Mott the Hoople. Yeah, that sounds right. But so like once a year I'll be like, what the hell did I miss this year not paying attention? And I listen to all the songs and I really liked it. I didn't respond to it as a novelty thing. I think why a lot of people older responded to it is because it felt really authentic. It reminded you of being a teenager. Yeah. It really felt like this is exactly, this reminds me of being at a party when I'm a teenager in a really in a really cool way. Of course, it's not the greatest song I've ever heard, but it's, but it's, but it's real. Same. And this person's coming from a real perspective, and that's yeah. why I think people actually responded to it. And so then I guess you have the decision of, is this going to be something you write a college essay about when you go yeah. on with your normal life, or are you going to take this and run with it? How long after yeah. that do you quit? being an assistant manager at Claire's? Um, well, for a few months, I was like, this is silly. Because, you know, I don't, I was very online. I was like a kid that 
you know, my parents got divorced and I like sit on the internet and, you know, no one's really paying attention. At a certain point, I was just like, well, the internet's cool. So I kind of like knew the cycle before I feel like most people did of like how viral stuff worked. And I assumed at the time I was like, I'm not going to be one of those idiots who tries to like start making T-shirts with my face on it, Mm -hmm. like capitalizing on this thing that's going to just start being really embarrassing in a couple months. You're not going to be Rebecca Black recording Saturday. Right. That's exactly what she's up to like Tuesday now. Friday came out right before the whole OkCupid thing happened. So I had just watched that and I had been like. This is Friday. I'm Mm -hmm. the Friday girl right now. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So that's like what I was thinking for months. And then I got offered a show in New York at Northside Festival. Um, And this was in like, I guess it was in the fall because I guess when that festival is. But um, anyway, that was the first time I had ever been offered a show. So I was like, oh, wait, I can play concerts and travel. And um, and I had had a bunch of friends that like I said, we're like hip hop bloggers. And I mean, all of the people that I mentioned throughout the same time period that I had been making music, all of those people had become like big rappers, like ASAP Rocky started blowing up and Danny Brown started blowing up and Ryan Hemsworth was like my other friend. And all of these people were like suddenly getting a lot of attention for the music they were putting online. And um, I was like, well, shit, like maybe I can just maybe I can make real music. And so I started I started taking shows and I think they're the only I wasn't gonna quit at Claire's because I loved working there so much. But I think employee that, discounts, what's not to like? Yeah, I mean I did I got a great discount and <laughs> it was a great discount. Wow. But uh one day I got offered a show and they wouldn't give me time off and I was like, wait, what are you talking about? And I had to, like, choose. Really? And I was like, shit. Fucking well, Claire's, don't you know I'm viral? I mean, I had to take <laughs> a lot of time off, so I kind of get it, but... Right. Yeah, and, like, I was just like, man, I got to make the choice. What am I going to do? You got to do what's right for you. Claire's <laughs> got to do what's right for Claire's. So, yeah, I, I quit Claire's. Uh-huh. And then I, I went to New York to play my show, and um, and then I met a bunch of friends while I was there. And as soon as I got home, I was like, I think I'm going to move to New York. And I packed one suitcase and I flew there and I didn't tell my parents or anybody. I was like, I'm going to go to New York for a thing. I'll be back. And they were like, OK. And I was 18 and oh no, I was 19. And uh, I just didn't go home. <laughs> I just moved there. Where did the I'm assuming you came in contact with Riff Raff after the OK Cupid thing, right? Oh, yeah. Riff Raff happened in between those two things. OK. So you do a song together and that becomes its own thing? Yeah, well, that was that was interesting because I feel like a lot of people don't know, like, the process of that. I have no idea. Yeah. Most people don't really think about that. They're just like, oh, Kitty and Riff Raff. Like, that makes sense. They're friends. But Riff Raff... I would not assume you two are friends. Well, no, I don't know. That would be frightening if you two had already A lot of people assume we were dating. And that was shocking to me because I was like, this dude's like twice my age. What are you talking about? Right. But anyway, so he, when my OkCupid video blew up, I had already had a bunch of songs on Tumblr that were just like, you know, the most MacBook recording, lo-fi, weren't real songs. I love that shit. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had one where there was like a lyric in it about Riff Raff because I liked his music a lot. And um, 
and I guess somebody sent him that song and was like, hey, this girl is going viral right now. And he was like, oh, we should make a song together. So he asked me. And that's why I said earlier, like, Beautiful Lou had sent me like two beats. And so I had these two beats and I was like, well, I guess I'll send Riff Raff the other one. And I was like, you want to use this beat? We can just write it right now. And he was like, sure, let's do it. And literally within like a day, he had emailed me and was like, hey, I told Vice that we were writing a song together. Like, they want to make a whole video about it. And I was like, all right, well, I have to work at Claire's, so I can't really go anywhere. You got a lot going on. So he was like, no, that's fine. We're all going to go to Daytona Beach. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I didn't really believe that that was going to happen. You know, I just thought it was some weird riffraff joke or something. So I went to work at Claire's and like yet again, got off of work and looked at my phone and it was riffraff was like, hey, we're all here. Uh, come to this hotel. We're going to shoot a music video. And I was like, OK. And I was like, should I just should I bring anyone? And I told my friends and all my friends were like, I want to meet Riff Raff. Yeah. Oh, no, my don't God. Go, don't go alone to meet Riff Raff in a motel yeah. room at Daytona, Daytona I mean, Beach. I could have well, told you that. Literally, the first person I called was my dad. And I was like, hey, dad, can yeah. you come meet me at this hotel? Because I have to do. Oh, <laughs> he was like, you. all right. So my dad and my stepmom was just like <laughs> both show up. They're like, we're here to shoot the video. It's like so. um and then all my friends obviously were like, holy shit, Riff Raff. Like, and so that's why all my friends are in that video. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's not weird at all that it's just Riff Raff hanging out in a motel room with like six girls it's half his age. super creepy. Actually, one of them is my brother, who it's really funny that everybody's always like, who's that girl that's like the big buff girl in your video? And I'm like, that's my brother. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't catch him. I'm going to have to go back and check Yeah, you got to look at him. Um, okay, so then where does Adult Swim get involved? They hop on this too, right? Um, I I guess kind of. I guess I never really thought about how I started working with them because it's been so long because mm-hmm. I love them so much. But um, it wasn't long after this I put out another, I put out a um, mixtape mm-hmm. with all, like, with new songs and I tried to do a real legit job of it and a real studio and stuff. And it's really hilarious to think about that now. But um, when that came out, Jason DeMarco from Adult Swim, had he heard it and he thought it was really good. So he uh, asked if I would do an Adult Swim single. And so I made Barbie Jeep. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I guess I just really got along well with the Adult Swim people. And they just have always done like so much nice stuff for me and... Um, now we work together all the time and I think they've like done like a lot of the reason that like you've probably heard of me and I don't, I, mean, I don't really know how you've heard of me, but I think it was Rolling Stone. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't... Most people like say like Rolling Stone, New York Times, Adult Swim. New York Times as well. <laughs> oh yeah. That's another thing. Okay. Cupid was on the, like there was like a whole feature about it on the front page of the entertainment section of the new york times wow there is this mania to i feel i kind of blame seattle back in the 90s (laughs) it's like nobody want everybody wants to be the first person to say we found the the hot new thing and there will i the new yorker had an article a few years ago about like here's like 12 amazing artists like under the age of 15 and it's like i don't think there's yeah with all due respect i don't think there's a dozen of them i don't really think it's fair to do that it's fucking weird it really it freaks me out a lot it's gross now it's like I feel ancient. I'm 26, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm a grandma when I like go on Twitter and see what's like 
what's what everyone's excited about online with music yeah. um they're like new like 15 year old prodigy and i'm like dude just let this kid be 15 for like just because i mean like that's kind of what people did to me but i was mm-hmm. i mean older than that already yeah. i was 18 right and i already feel like i'm like wow my i missed such a big part of growing up because like of all the internet stuff right like i don't really know what the answer is like how you fix it or anything but there's a reason why people like can't get married before they're a certain age because we know <laughs> yeah. you're not responsible enough to handle it you can't drink before a certain age you're not responsible enough to, i mean i don't know what i propose as a fix to this <laughs> i don't propose propose that we just find very small adults to play children in movies like that's a weird answer but it's not right yeah it's, you're you're lucky if you go through that and come out on the other end yeah pretty much well adjusted you know you should have to be able you should have to be able to drive before you can be on pitchfork yeah. I think that's that's a regulation we should That seems like a modest put into proposal. Effect. I forgot about movies, man. Playing kids in movies, yeah. It's really you know, I've They met, work way harder than music people. You seem normal, but I've met some other people who were musicians who had like were the thing when they were in their teens and there's just it always just seems like there's something a little off. I don't know what it oh, is. Yeah. That's I mean I to seem happen. normal, but Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Like, there's just something that's supposed to happen to you in high school. I don't know if... It, it, Justin Bieber actually said some really, really cool stuff recently. I saw that. I thought that was wonderful where he's like, I don't know who you... I don't know how you're put together, but if you're 15 or 16 and everybody you meet every day tells you you're a fucking genius, at a certain point, you might start to believe it. And that was me. And I'm finally just coming out of that now. And I'm like, God, that's, that's I really like, smart. I'm glad you that. I cried when I read that on his Instagram. I was like... Oh my God! He gets I've it. been thinking this about you for so long, Justin. Right, right. Well, <laughs> I'm and so that's proud. The thing, that's the thing with crazy people is I've met, known so many crazy people, and I'm like, God, if I could get inside your brain for five minutes, I could fix you. No problem. Your problem's real obvious, but you're going to walk around for the rest of your life trying to figure out what your problem is because you're like too close to it. Yeah. People who are actually able to get perspective on their shit like that is it's, it's the very, biggest thing there is. And I'm happy for him. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, fuck Justin Bieber, whatever. But I, I wish I that like, kid. I, I think he is going to like go on to like do good things because you can tell he like cares about stuff mm-hmm. and now that he like realizes yeah how to be a good person like he's like oh wait i have all of the money in the whole world like maybe now he'll do like good things as long as he doesn't go too christian oh yeah that's well, not the, that's not the solution to no. the problem and i'm afraid Certainly a lot of those not. guys are leaning that way kanye is not the only one okay so where <laughs> i want to play another one of your songs and i don't know you tell me if i think this is good you tell me if this embarrasses you is this good or is this still bad? I like this song. It's a cool song. I recently, I have a lot of, well. What? Should I talk over it? I don't know if I'm supposed to. If anybody can, you can. Okay. We're still really just doing the beat, right? Yeah. I don't have an opening. I guess I'll go ahead and go. Okay, cool, right. I used to, I hated my old songs. Mm-hmm. Until recently. So I'm only like yeah. recently accepting that like, oh yeah, like I made this and like. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Slaps. That's interesting. You People And like we have enough distance from it now. Yeah. You know, I think it's natural. We're all embarrassed by the clothes that we thought were cool like two years ago. <laughs> but you see the picture 10 years later and you're like, ah. Well, I mean. I thought I ruled. There is also the fact that a lot of people really didn't like it. Really? See, I don't know what's going on. I I get to have this cool perspective on this where I was- Oh, shit. Well, I shouldn't have even told you that. No, I think that's interesting. Did you have- You must have had a backlash then. You weren't supposed to try to make- I was, like, controversial. And it's like, yeah, you're, like, the first person I've ever, like, done an interview with that Mm -hmm. didn't ask me about that first. 
Okay. I don't even know what you're talking about. That's fucking cool. Bring it up if well, you want to. Well, we don't even to, have to talk care. about it. Let's I know. actually want to talk about... <laughs> okay. I, I want you to talk about the music. Cool. Yeah. Well, then let's do that. Right. So what is the... Con- con- you don't want to talk about the controversy. It just doesn't even matter. Okay, It was cool. just because people being... People didn't like it. And a oh, lot really? of people did. So then they got in fights about it online. Oh. That was no, it. No, I think I was listening to like your entire... Because you just put up your entire catalog. Because I don't know why you made your music so weird and hard to get. I f- well, that I bought, wasn't my I bought fault. your single on Bandcamp. I was one of those. That's so tight. Well, I literally it wasn't gave really you 90, fault, 99 cents many years ago. There was there was a lot of reasons that I I always wanted to make everything mm-hmm. more available, but right, you know. But still, like you didn't do an album for a while. You were doing just a bunch of EPs, and this thing's only on cassette. And well, it's kind of because I kept people. It, that was like an industry thing. Okay, I just like kept getting opportunities and then losing them. Okay, because. The viral thing, mm-hmm. you know, right? Like the cycle of viral stuff. Okay. So that's kind of why I didn't really know what I was doing. So I just put out EPs because I was like, "Well, I got like five songs done. They sound good, right?" That's an EP. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes it does kind of work that way. Like, I feel like everybody does that now. People never make whole albums anymore. Most people shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. After their first, I mean, I'm gonna be generous and say three albums. Like you don't have an album, you yeah. don't. Yeah, Morrissey should go to like Kassing- oh my God. should go to like Kassingles at this point. Kassingles. <laughs> Agreed. Because Morrissey time, should just be every time he's got a new album he's on got, an island. He's or got something. a Kassingle. Oh, I know. Morrissey's got his own issues in in his own right. I just let him be miserable in his own way. I'm not going to judge Morrissey at this point. He's been a, he's been a prick this entire time. I don't know. If people are just figuring that out now. Am I allowed to talk about weed on the radio? Yeah, you can talk about whatever you want. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah, okay. I'm starting to feel way more comfortable with this interview because I ate way too many edibles before I came. And mm-hmm. so when we were first doing this, I was like saying so many sentences that didn't make sense and then not realizing till after. And then I'm like, shit, this is going to be on the radio. Don't worry about it. It's, all right. it's a so, really convoluted I'm sorry way. to listeners for all of that no, jumbled fine. stuff. People don't understand when, by the time they hear this, it sounds like just two people hanging out. It's actually a really unnatural way to have a conversation. Yeah, it really is. I'm sitting in front of a computer, mm-hmm. and he's in front of another computer. I'm in front of, like, uh, yeah, I, I think six computers, and I don't know what half of them are doing. Okay, so with your music career, I, I, I pretty much know the one song, and somewhere <laughs> in, like, a playlist somewhere. But the neat thing about music nowadays, it used to be if somebody had a song, you weren't going to, like, go to... Sam Goody and buy a whole album five albums later because like I said most people don't have that many good albums in them you go oh I wonder whatever happened to them the wonderful thing about music nowadays everything is streaming you can say I wonder whatever happened to them and you can just go and hear all of it and hear awesome and hear all of it and so I check back in with you and this is the song that I come back in with with you and this is good right we like this this is one of my favorites I think this is a it's going to do this intro thing for a while. This so, is when I got obsessed with trance music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to make trance music now. I'm going to yeah. bring it back. Did not succeed at bringing it back. But no. I did succeed at making it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm unaware of the second wave of trance revolution Didn't. happening. <laughs> it's yet to come. Right. Okay, yeah, this is still going to... This is a long intro. It's a really long intro. I think it's worth it. Oh, now it's still no, going? No, I think this is like a minute long intro. Okay. <laughs> I should have put some time cut on this. Here you come. Could you wrap your hands all the way around my neck and tell me where I stand? Tell me everything I'm making when I spin. Take over my breath and now in. I am missing you to death. And could you wrap your hands all the way around my neck and tell me where I stand? Tell me everything I'm making when I spin. Take over my breath and now in. I am missing you to death. And I was super positive and you was 
goes on like this. It's got an awesome hook. It's yeah. a really, it's a really good song. It's really long. Is it? Yeah, because trance has to be really long to entran- you know? to entrance people. Yeah, it's and so the idea. DJ can has a really good, you know, a lot of opportunities to mix it into another song. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I went really deep into this authentic was, trance stuff. Was that then mixed into lots of other things? Well, actually, there's two songs on that EP that mm-hmm. mix together perfectly for that reason. And um, they're all supposed to be able to be mixed into each other. But, you know, I don't know. It was, so, that was a few years ago. That was before I was good at DJing. So I'm, I haven't actually tried. So it was made to mix all together, but you're not yeah. aware of anyone ever having actually no, done the thing it was designed did. to do? Probably not, but yeah. I'm sure somebody has. Somebody somewhere. Somebody somewhere. And if just one person mixed all five then of those songs. Then it was worth then, every yeah. second of that effort. <laughs> Long live trance. Yeah. Um, and when I checked back into you to see, you know, like what I should be listening to from what you were doing then, I saw a lot of people discussing you as a guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Do you people hear still that do that. About yourself? Is that, oh is that my bad? God. Every, before, like, it's not so much in the past few years, but like before, uh, before Miami Garden Club, that's pretty much like how everybody talks about me. I don't think it's bad. I really don't. I don't even really know what it means anymore, which is kind of a cool thing to say, you know, is, is, if, I, is if I like it, why, I would, why would I be guilty? There's some shit that's, I listen to the Transformers theme, yeah, which a metal well, band called Lion recorded in 1986. It is a guilty pleasure. I mean, okay, but it's like... Not, it's not. <laughs> I was going to say, would you roll down the windows if somebody pulled up next to you? And I'm like, no. I'm I not. just I, talked about Everybody this. can know that I'm listening to the Transformers theme. The bridge <laughs> is sick. That actually is the only guilty pleasure. That's like the the test. If you can... You can't roll the windows down when you're listening to it. Yeah, no, everybody can guilty. know that I'm listening to that. I used to think that listening to, you know, who King Diamond is, Merciful no. Fate. Really? He's like, I always thought of him as like the Morrissey of metal. He, he, <laughs> that he, sounds not like what I listen to. So it makes sense. He's, uh, he, he had his face painted and he was from Denmark and he was one of the OG, like, oh, I think he really knows Satan. I know those other guys claim to, but I think this guy's from Denmark. He lives in a castle. I think he's really possessed. All right. Yeah. I think he's cool. Never mind. I like no, he's that. super cool. And he does two voices. He's just like, oh, a voice. And then he goes, ah. And I used to think that like, that was like a guilty pleasure. And then I realized if you've been listening to it for like four years, you're not guilty. You, you clearly don't feel that guilty about it. I was just, I have a friend who's in the band Thursday, which was like. Sure. A, yeah. Jersey band. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff? Yeah, Jeff. Uh-huh. So the other day, Jeff was telling me about like somebody tweeted at him about how Thursday is their favorite guilty pleasure mm-hmm. band. And he was like, what the fuck? Like Thursday is a guilty pleasure band. And I was like, Jeff, people. Every, like, not to say people are dumb, but, like, people's opinions on what is cool and what they should be ashamed of are just ridiculous. So, like, when someone says that you're their guilty pleasure, that means that they enjoy it so much that it, like, they worry about what other people think of them. And it's, like, I don't have guilty pleasures very often because it's, like, I'll listen to any song and it doesn't really, like... Like, what song you listen to doesn't really reflect on you unless you're really into it. So to be worried enough about it that you'd feel guilty Mm -hmm. means that you really care about it. 
Yeah, I guess so. I think the idea is that everybody has the stuff that they think that they're supposed to like. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Like, I'm supposed to think that the new Tool album is the greatest thing that's ever been made. And just frankly, I- You're res- supposed to, specifically? Yes, I specifically, there's a guy on Instagram <gasps> who will not leave me alone until I listen to it. And I already know what will happen if I listen to it. I'll go, yeah, that's really, really good. God, those guys are talented. Man, still bringing it after all these years. I don't care to listen to it. I'll be over here listening to Kitty, if you don't mind. Well. I So it's about the music that you feel like you need to I beat Tool today. You feel like <laughs> you need to impress people with and then I think guilty pleasures are ultimately it's like your comfort food. Yeah. Right? Exactly. What's wrong with comfort food? Like and, the, being the cheese of music is not a bad thing. And I think another big reason was because when I started making music at first I had so many, you know, I was an idiot teenager. Like the things that I was saying were just so like dumb teenagery that they appealed to these like boys online mm-hmm. who most all of my fans were boys, all of them. Oh, for real? Yeah, all the girls, of them. Do girls not like you? At at first, uh, like some girls did, but it was more like it was more boy. It was just it was just overwhelmingly boys, mm-hmm. and I realized that like I think a lot of it had to do with like what I was saying and my like attitudes and opinions and just jokes I thought were funny that I've now realized are not funny and you know just stuff that's like kind of douchey and uh and then over time I just became a different person and that reflected in my lyrics because they're so personal because I can't stop being (laughs) can't stop telling everyone everything so like my lyrics turned into like girly stuff and you know th- emotional sensitive heartbreak things and like all these boys that were like oh we got this hip hop girl that we can listen to were like oh now she's talking about having her heart broken but i still like it that's not oh you like baited and switched them yeah like they were like wait i kind of like this trance song right that's right. weird. And yeah. then they felt weird about liking something that they never liked before. So I think that's kind of cool because I like to make people realize that they enjoy new things. That's cool. I feel like the the newer stuff, your last two albums, dare I say sultry? Oh, yeah. My my father-in-law also... Did he use that he word as well? He used the same word. Really? Yeah. Why is your music so sultry? I think it's just because I'm a sultry person. That's what I'm getting at. No. Oh, Did that... you become sultry? Well, I went through like a whole phase of being a big gigantic mess because I mean, I'm from Florida mm-hmm. and I moved to New York City when I basically was just like a little teenage girl who ran away from home to New York City. Yeah. And I was popular on the internet, so people would let me into their parties. And I just partied. Like, I'm really glad that I wasn't more famous because if I was, like, a famous person then, I probably would have done a lot of, like, dumb tabloid, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I would have been the type of, like, she's a disaster type thing. So, like, you were a disaster, but people didn't care on that level. Yeah. So I didn't really, I don't really have to, like, face the backlash of that very much, Mm -hmm. but. So did you do a bunch of drugs and stuff? Yeah, I did. I mean, I did just a bunch of, like, I did, like, every stupid thing that, like, a young woman does in New York City. What drugs are cool five years ago? Oh, I mean, I didn't... I'm, uh, I'm not saying... I, I'm, I'm my sure. mom is going to listen to this. Oh, really? So, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You were hitting the She's Le- already going to be mad about the edible thing. You were hitting the Labatt's pretty hard? <laughs> what? <laughs> a, I don't know what that it's is. It's a beer. 
You yeah. Little bats? No. Oh my god. A lot of people are going to listen to this in Canada, and you just. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Your Canada. stock. I just... love Canada too. Man. Fuck. Not that much, clearly. I know. So you're you're hitting the you're hitting the beer oh, pretty so, hard. Oh, yeah. so so anyway, I was just like, a, like a partying person, and then I just like went nuts and like mm-hmm. I was like I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I moved here. I moved to L.A. All of a sudden. I just oh, that'll fix all... it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then you know, it just made it worse. Right. And then I just you know was in a lot of bad relationships and stuff, and it just like all my life just fell apart. Mm-hmm. And. That was when I was making the song. The song that you just played was mm-hmm. the single from my first full-length album. Finally. Because i just been making EPs, yeah. yeah. And uh, and when I started making that, it was backed by a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got this Kickstarter that I like worked really hard on. And I had, just, I had been in L.A. for so long trying to like make the whole m- music career happen. And it just didn't seem like it was going to. And I just... It drove me crazy, and I just had, like, I just, like, broke down, and I was like, I have to go home. I moved back to Florida. I took all my stuff, and I just was like, I showed up at my dad's house. I called my dad. I was like, can you come get me from the airport tomorrow morning? And he was like, oh, sure. You're back? And I was like, yeah. And then I I just stayed in Florida, and then um, up until then, I hadn't really ever learned how to produce my own music, so... That was the album where I started producing myself, and I just decided, like, I'm sick of working with other people, yep. sick of the whole thing, so no I'm going to make my own band. beats. No, no more beats via email. Yeah. I'm going to make my own beats. Never have to send another email. Mm-hmm. No one's ever going to steal my songs. I'm just going to do it all myself. Yeah. So I just sat in Daytona Beach and learned how to do that. That's cool. I think you've learned how to do it really well. I feel like I like I just listened to your stuff on Shuffle the last few days with you, you know, knowing you were coming by here. And it's neat because you have like an identifiable style. But at the same time, just when I kind of think like, oh, you have to, I'll go to the Marcy thing again. All these are kind of starting to sound the same. I'm like, oh, there's this little wrinkle you put in here and there's this other little wrinkle you put in there. Like I can see the individual attention and thought that you're putting into every little thing still under the umbrella of having an identifiable sound. So well done. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, real quick about the oversharing in the in the lyrics that you mentioned earlier. You, I've read you say uh, elsewhere in other interviews that that's like something that you it just sort of happens. Like, oh yeah, it stinks, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to be like like I don't think Michael Stipe could write a. Do you know who that is? I know that I do, but right now, like, He's I can't connect the name to who it is. The singer of REM. Oh, okay. Then yeah. Right. Or David yeah. Byrne from Talking Heads. Oh, that's my that's my hero. Okay. I don't know if David Byrne could write a direct song if his life depended on it. Yeah, I don't I've thought about that. He only speaks in code. I know. That's that's I don't, like, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's like a trick that he's doing. I think that's who he is. I literally sit and think about that all the time. I was like, mm-hmm. Talking Heads is my favorite band of all time. Cool. And I sit and I'm like, I need I'll look at something I wrote down and I'm like, I need how would Talking Heads say this? Mm-hmm. Because I, I can't, if I literally, I'm just like, sometimes my songs like start out like, fuck you, Alex from Deland, Florida. I hate it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like right. just the most direct, like nothing everyone. Ri- nothing knows. rhymes with Florida. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, literally nothing. Oh my I, God. I know. And as an artist in your <laughs> position, I can see where that would create real yeah. problems. Right. So I know it's, it sucks. Mm-hmm. The lyrics thing. Yeah. It's tough. 
a lot of times you just go really, really fast and it's like triple track that I'm like, I'm sure you're saying cool stuff, but I'm not really sure exactly what's going on here. I'm well, just you should go back and pick it apart because those early songs, uh-huh. when I was in college and I was writing all the time, I was like pulling all kinds of poetic oh, I'm sure. oh, my English goodness. moves, yeah, 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 yeah. Shakespearean. Just lost in the trance. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. Trance, trance. Dance music made it all go out the window. Now I don't, I don't do any iambic pentameter anymore. Now who needs it? Who needs it? So then you put out your album Rose Gold, yeah. and you have a record label, mm-hmm. and you have like a you have like five bands, right? I think six. Really? I yeah. thought I was exaggerating. Well, the thing is, two of them are me. Right. So. That, count, that totally counts. That totally counts. If they're different things, then they're different things. Yeah. Right. So it's Kitty. Mm-hmm. Me. Sure. Uh, Ricky Eat Acid. Uh-huh. Are you a member of Ricky Eat Acid? No. That is, Ricky Eat Acid is my husband. Right. That is his solo project. I really enjoy that as well. It's like music if it was melting. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I'm going to tell him you said that and he's going to die. Yeah. It's really nice. It's like My Bloody Valentine is the same thing, but do you know My Bloody Valentine? Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't sound a bit like My Bloody Valentine. No. But it's just music. But it's, it's like melting. the same idea. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, And then... Our band that we have together is the Pom Poms. I enjoy which the Pom Poms. We started. To... I'm playing. This is you, by the way. Yeah, this is. This is one of my favorite ones. So I'm glad that you're playing it. <laughs> cool. This is from your new album. Yeah. Um, what was I talking about? I, don't, uh, you <laughs> I was got, listing you got, all my you bands. Pom Poms. Oh yeah, the Pom Poms is me and Ricky Acid. That's our band. And mm-hmm. then uh, girlfriend of the year, who's. Literally my favorite artist, and I'm so stoked that now she's on my label. Okay, but that's not you. No. So there is a band on that your label not that's me. not that you're not in. That's not me. Okay. And then Pinky Swear mm-hmm. is another band that's not me, and only Tom. Okay, cool. And what does it mean to be like a record label nowadays, really? Um, nothing. <laughs> well, what do you do? You give them some money to make their albums at least, or oh. I think, oh, what I think it means. What is your re- what oh, is your record, record label? Are you even pressing CDs? Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like it used to be really cool to be a record label because it was like a family, you know? Sometimes, I thought it was. Sometimes, yeah. When I when I was young, because you have to realize like record labels as a thing like changed so much like between when I realized what music industry was like mm-hmm. and before that. It's a moving target. As because you, as you were figuring know. out what it was, it was changing. Yeah, it was changing. So, yeah. like, I had no I, like no concept of, like, what happened to make that stop. But when I was, like, when I started listening to music, like, when I started developing music taste when I was, like, 10, 11, 12, yeah. and, like, finding out about things, record labels were so huge for me because it was, like, I'd find a band I liked and then I realized I could listen to another band on that label Oh, and I like, would like it. Like indie labels. Yeah, indie labels. Right. I mean, oh yeah, no, I don't know anything about major label stuff at all. Yeah, because just because you like somebody on Geffen didn't mean you were going to no, like the next no, no, person no, no, no. on yeah. Geffen. But... but indie labels, specifically right. like drive through Records was one that I like. The big emo. Right? Yeah, when I was like, you know, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't have any concept of what was major and what was indie or what was what. And and I I remember like the biggest example of this is when Pete Wentz started his label Fueled by Ramen. Uh, Fueled by Ramen, sure. Yeah, and I found out about Panic at the Disco Oh my God. because of Fueled by Ramen. I was, oh, listen, I was 11, okay? I was 11 years old. So The, the ego <laughs> on that guy to start a label just to go find another band that was like a blatant knockout of his, uh, knockoff of his own band. Oh, but, but Panic at the Disco's album that was on that label uh-huh. was, I maintain, is one of the top five best albums of all time. Is it, better than, is it better than Fall Out Boy? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Listen, I listen to hair metal. I'm not going to oh, okay. judge your music. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you probably don't know what I'm talking about then. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just know the Panic at the Disco plays arenas now, and that's <gasps> That's insane. nuts to me. That's insane, because this yeah. oh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is so- you're going to be You're going to be playing, like, the Rose Bowl in 10 years. That's the way this oh works God. nowadays. Dude, I'm stoked. Yeah, no, you should be excited about I'm, that. I, bet I that's, can't I bet wait. That, I bet that pays well. Dude, I'm putting it on my calendar for 10. I'm buying a 10-year calendar for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I talking about? Oh, uh, labels. Yeah, right. labels, right. So, like, you would find out about all these other bands that were awesome, and then you could, like, learn more about them, and, like, they'd be friends with each other, and there was, like, people who ran the label that, like... And there were artists that did like drew the merch for the label. And it was just like a community that was that I wanted to be part of. You know what I mean? Like that was so special and made me like the music so much more. And it makes like now it makes all these like corny ass emo songs. I listen to them now and I'm like, oh, man, I remember when I just like love drive through records. But I don't ever see that anymore, really. And when I do like, I mean, there's still labels that are like kind of like that. But I feel like. There aren't very many where I feel like the community that they're making is something that other people can be part of. It's it seems like it's more of a click. Yeah. It's like, you know how like Odd Future is like a group of like a whole bunch of people, mm-hmm. but you're not in it. It's like these are the friends. You can feel like you're the friends and buy the T-shirt, but you're not in it. Right. Does well, that make almost, sense? It does. So there's almost two different ways of going about that. The one is we're this awesome community and isn't it so cool that we want to reach out and be friends with you? And the other one is we're this awesome community yeah. and we're so cool we would never fucking talk to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like all of the communities that people started building around like, hey, I'm a band and you're a band. Let's make a label. You know, like that would turn into I'm a band and you're a band. Like we're better than the other ones. Well, fuck them. Yeah. And, and then just like everyone starts to have that attitude. Right. No, Fueled by Ramen was never like that. I I mean, well, I didn't know because nobody had Twitter. So right. I didn't know shit about what yeah. anyone thought about anything. Do you know what? I, That's how funny. I have these like warped perceptions of how things were. So but this, I wanted yeah. it to be that way. You want to make the, the fantasy that you thought was happening, you wanted to right. create in reality. And I've met three of the four dudes in Fall Out Boy and like could not be fucking nicer. I've Yeah, they're the nicest people I've ever met. So I, I have no problem a, saying Fueled by Ramen is awesome. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think that they thought it was a cool image to seem kind of like whatever they came across as to most of the world that was aware of what was going on at the time but actually i think yeah they are they yeah are sweethearts they were really nice to me so right. okay. i have nothing bad to say about them okay we need to wrap this up i'm happy for you you're living the dream you just you're living a creative life and you're making a living doing it thank you so fuck yeah it has been really nice getting to meet you and pick your brain a little bit and i'm glad we didn't touch on whatever uncomfortable thing we weren't <laughs> supposed to touch on um your new <laughs> don't album google it is no who cares is uh rose gold everybody google that instead you got the new pom-pom single um ricky eat acid is your husband's band i also recommend and you can find that and more at prettywavy.com you are kitavelli on twitter yes cool thanks <laughs>